Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Hill Church Podcast. This is Evan Wickham, and we are in our week of prayer and fasting right now. We don't normally do daily podcast uploads like this, uh, but we're doing it for this week. Sunday, April 3rd through Thursday, April 7th is our week of prayer and fasting, which means we're coming up on the halfway point right now. Tonight is night three of prayer and worship in our church building Building 177 in Point Loma. If you are anywhere near um, Point Loma today, come out and pray with us. Uh, And if you're fasting with us, well done. It is not easy to fast, whether you're fasting from, from all food and only drinking water, or you're fasting partially and doing a juice thing like Sandy and I are doing. Uh, Some people are fasting partially by skipping dinner and instead praying uh, for the theme of the day. And whatever whatever you're doing, well done. Uh, One question that keeps coming up is why why do we fast? Uh, And and what is fasting? Uh, And so fasting is an ancient Christian discipline to break the power of the flesh in our life. The flesh is this word that that Paul would use in the New Testament to describe our desires, our sins, and our cravings that are immediate and almost animalistic that come out of us. Um, And so we fast to break the power of our immediate and sometimes strong desires in order to feed on the Holy Spirit. We are embodied souls. Human beings are not just a soul that has a body. We are embodied souls, and we're also ensouled bodies. We are bodies. Um, so our, our flesh, our, our flesh and blood and cravings and, and our desire for pleasure and our desire to escape pain, this is part of who we are and it goes into our soul. And when we fast from something as basic as food, we are orienting this power pack that we are, our bodies, toward God. And so um, fasting is one of the most abused and least used of all the spiritual disciplines. Um, and that's that's a recent thing. For millennia, it was central to the life of the church. All the great heroes of the Old Testament fasted. Uh, Jesus, as we said in yesterday's little podcast conversation with me and Sandy, um, the first story we read about Jesus' adult life after his baptism is that he goes and fasts from food for 40 days and nights, just like Moses and Elijah before him. Um, and so that the central characters of the New Testament continue fasting. The early church continues fasting. Often, you know, we read in this ancient book called the Didache, which was basically like Acts Part 2, but it's not scripture. It formed worship for the early church, the Didache. You can read it for free online, D-I-D-A-C-H-E. It's amazing. Uh, and in, in this book, the early church has instructions for baptisms. <laughs> and one of the instructions is you got to fast for like multiple days before you're baptized. We don't do that anymore. But this is how seriously the early church took fasting. Um, in the early church, there was a twice weekly fast that was just expected for so many, for all followers of Jesus. Every Wednesday and Friday for thousands of years, uh, for at least a thousand years, Christians would fast twice weekly. Um, so just, just to be transparent, I fast every Wednesday, um, from dinner Tuesday all the way till I break the fast at dinner time with my family on Wednesday, I'm fasting. Um, and I do that to break the power of the flesh in my life. 
That's very, very concrete and practical. <laughs> and so, like all the spiritual disciplines, it is really easy to lose sight of why. Like, why do we read the Bible? It can just feel like a routine sometimes, uh, as if routines are bad. You know, we have this anti-routine mindset. So why pray? I don't want to fall into this routine. Why do we uh, give to the church? Why don't I get to give to whoever I want, whenever I want, out of generosity? So we have these why questions behind all the spiritual disciplines, and we bring that same spirit to fasting. It's like, what are we even doing? And it really boils down to we are fighting the flesh to feed on God. That's what we do through fasting. And so tonight, uh, we're going to pray in our gathering, we're going to pray into this, this cry for peace specifically. So we're fighting our flesh to pray for peace. And you might think, how are those things connected? Peace and the flesh? Uh, we think of, you know, w- the war going on, uh, the tragic invasion of Ukraine right now. I just looked at the news and it just seems like the Russian army is, um, based on what I saw, is just brutally acting against Ukrainian civilians. And immediately our gut response, our body response is, Lord, stop the war. People want to live. People are hungry. While I'm hungry and fasting, there's people hungry who are involuntarily fasting because of violence on a, on a global scale. And so, Lord, stop, stop it. <laughs> act. We want you to act. And so, right now we have to be careful because fasting is not like a hunger strike against God. Um, we're not saying, God, until you move, I'm not going to eat. Because God will do what he wills. What we are doing is saying, Lord, I am complicit in the wars of this world through the acts of my flesh when I abuse and objectify other people because my immediate cravings are causing me to act opposite of love. I'm complicit in war. My desires are impure and evil because I'm a black hole of narcissism. So Lord, change me and through my changed life, change the world. This is what we're praying for tonight as a church. This is what we're praying for today. If you have the prayer card that Sandy made for this week of fasting, um, pick it up at, at Park Hill's website tonight. We're praying for peace, uh, specifically for Ukraine by name, but also our complicity in the complex web of violence and objectification and consumption that causes us to do battle against fellow image bearers of God, fellow humans. And so I'm going to read a psalm um, for, this, for this day of prayer. Psalm 46, verses, nine, uh, verses 8 and 9 and 10. The psalmist says, Come and see what Yahweh has done, the desolations he's brought on the earth. And right away we're like, whoa, God brings desolations? That doesn't sound very peaceful. But look at what he's bringing desolation on. The next line, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. Yahweh brings desolation on war itself. He does war against war. He breaks the bow 
and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then the last verse, verse 11, God uses a military metaphor to describe how safe we are as God does battle against militarism. It says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our military structure of safety. Um, this is powerful. So God is the one who makes war cease. And, and, and I want to be part of that ceasing. I want Park Hill Church to be part of the peacemaking presence of Jesus in the world. I don't want to settle for a false peace. I don't want to settle for uh, just peacekeeping, quietly standing aside and minding our own business so that we can avoid conflict or so that we can see less conflict. But I want to enter the conflict and do, like, like Yahweh, do battle against battling through sacrificial peace. And so how do we do this? Um, James 3, this is also on your prayer cards. James 3 says, uh, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers, not peacekeepers, not people who settle for false peace by avoiding conflict, but peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. So peacemakers, different than peacekeepers, Peacemakers enter conflict with their head on straight, animated by the Holy Spirit to sow peace. There's actually an act. You don't just avoid. You step in and you act by planting peace in a war zone. And and the result is a harvest of righteousness. Like Righteousness just means everything is operating as it should be. Relationships get restored. Uh, Relationships between humans and God and between humans and one another, and between people and the world around them, all these relationships get restored as God's peacemakers enter conflict to sow peace. And uh, the next verse, he's like, What causes fighting and quarreling among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So that is a huge principle behind why we fast. The war out there won't stop till we end the war in here, in us. And the way we, we bring peace and sow peace in the conflict inside our own hearts, the conflict between our fleshly desires for immediate craving and our spiritual desire for God, the way we end that conflict practically is fasting. This for me is number one, why fast? There are other reasons too, all through scripture, to cry out to God for him to move, that he would bring spiritual renewal and that he would act in our time and that God would have his way through his church, all of these things, but but it begins by acknowledging the war inside me. Sigmund Freud is famous for talking about the pleasure principle. Um, There's a lot to disagree and agree about when it comes to Freud, but One thing he talked about a lot was this idea that we are primarily driven from birth by 
the pleasure-pain spectrum. We avoid pain and we want our immediate cravings satiated, right? Uh, but, you know, we can't live by the... He even acknowledges we can't live by the pleasure principle forever because what happens when you grow up? You're not a baby anymore. And now you're in a business meeting with your boss and he has a bottle of water on the table and you're thirsty. Your pleasure principle says, drink water. You can't follow through with that. <laughs> if What if you took a big swig of your boss's water bottle during a business meeting? Um, you'd immediately have other problems, other pain points to deal with, right? Like... You might get written up, or at least your reputation would never be the same. And so when you're an adult, you have another principle at work that Freud identifies as your ego. And your ego operates on the reality principle, which is running counter, kind of, to the pleasure principle. You want the water because of pleasure. You don't want to be in the pain of thirst. But you don't drink your boss's water bottle because you have this ego operating on reality. You will lose status and maybe lose future water bottles or future money or position uh, if you operate purely on pleasure. So, so now you're living on reality. But still, I would point out, this is still a pleasure principle. It's still a pleasure pain. It's just not instantly gratified so that you can have gratification later. Um, the ego can still operate according to the flesh, to use Paul's language. It can be for selfish ambition. It can be based out of envy. You could be operating out of a scarcity mindset. Oh, I don't have enough love, so I'm just going to manipulate people to, to affirm me over time. Um, and so what's the answer? Uh, Paul says in Galatians 5, it's to keep in step with the Spirit. Because the flesh and the spirit are opposite forces in us. Not equal. The spirit is stronger. So it's not about graduating from pleasure to just ego reality. We need a whole new operating system. And God gives us this new operating system when we become children of God. Through faith in Jesus, um, Jesus says, you are born again. And Paul uses a different term for the same thing. Jesus calls it being born again. Paul says it's having a new heart. Your, your heart is actually circumcised. You're no longer running on the flesh operating system, but now you're running on the spirit operating system. Followers of Jesus have a new heart with new deepest desires, even if our momentary strongest desires seem to have a pull on us, because they do. But our deepest desire is now for God. And so how do we access that deep desire because I want that swig of that water bottle or I want that career choice even if it means stomping on that poor employee or coworker. I want to use people for my own benefit. I want to objectify individuals for my own pleasure. How do I completely remove myself from that grid? Um, well, we are a mixed bag. We won't all be removed. We won't be fully saved from this grid, but we can have victory uh, through life in the Spirit. And one of the most ancient, powerful, primary ways we live into our spiritual operating system is through fasting. This is the why of fasting. So our prayer, following Jesus' example, is that God's will would be done here on earth, here in Ukraine, here in San Diego, as it is in heaven. 
we want his peace, not a false peace where we just ignore or avoid conflict, but we invade conflict by sowing peace in the name of Jesus. Um, I just love that picture where shields and swords are burnt up and turned into gardening tools. That's a prophetic vision that the Messiah would bring about peace. So why does it seem so difficult to know God's will and to access his peace in the world because this battle rages within all of us, you and me included, we are complicit in the web of violence that we're praying against. We are mixture. And so fasting is a means by which the disciples of Jesus pray with our entire body. Uh, We're not just, again, we're not just a spirit in a body. We are a spirit and a body. We are ensouled bodies. And the discipline of fasting draws our attention to our ensouled bodily existence. And in fasting, the great hunger of our heart is that God's way would be meted out through our wills and that our wills would be aligned with his. We believe God responds. God responds like the future changes based on human prayer and God's response to it. We believe God actually acts differently than he would have based on the actions and prayers of his people. And again, fasting is not this hunger strike where we try to manipulate God by, you know, avoiding food or whatever. God cannot be pressured into doing anything. So fasting is not a way we jump ahead in the journey of prayer or manipulate God at all. But the way we pray and how we do it matters. And fasting is so important. It's a method of engaging our entire person in prayer. And so uh, we're doing it this week. And... uh, Well done for sticking it out. Please, if you hear this and if you uh, feel so inclined, email into the church. Email us on how you are doing, how you are feeling, what you see God, how you see Him responding, how the shape of your prayers right now, the difficulties you're having. We want to stay in touch as a family on all these things. So um, may the Lord bless you and may He keep you and guard you as you do the hard work of fasting and praying together as a community. See you tonight.